Hello, this is T. Hi, this is Elodie. Hey, T. Hey, Elodie. It's Suzanne Delbanco calling from Catalyst for Payment Reform. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing great. Thanks, you guys, for picking up. I'm, I'm really glad to have a chance to talk to you both today. You know, there's been some topics that have been sort of burning for me that I want to get at. You know, I want to talk about sort of the relationships between employers and health plans and the point solutions that are out there and, and the negotiations that are going on as employers try to find a way to, to come up with the best combination of services for their employees. Before we get into that, I would like to let you know we've got an audience listening today. If you could each introduce yourself, that would be great. So T, I'll start with you. Great. So I'm T. Montavo. I lead the reporting and analytics at Transparent. And what does Transparent do? Transparent is a company that provides a health and care experience that is a single front door. What we focus on is providing an integrated ecosystem for employers. It's everything from everyday care to complex care. Think of complex care as oncology, behavioral health, muscular skeletal, and pharmacy. Got it. Well, thanks for explaining. And Elodie, can you introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, I'm Elodie Olson, and I'm with Willis Towers Watson, and I had the our health analytics practice for North America, and I'm also an actuary by background. Well, a great combination of people for me to be talking to. What, what I really want to get into are data are often the source of tension between health plans or health insurance companies, whatever you want to call them, and employers. Even when the employer is solely hiring the health plan as an administrator and not taking on insurance risk. So, you know, employers, self-insured, they hire a health plan to contract with providers and administer claims. But then something happens with the data where the health plan and the employer sometimes get into a little bit of a battle about who owns the information about the claims that have occurred and, you know, with which providers and things like that. I'm just curious, maybe I'll start with you, T. You know, what issues do you see currently driving tension between health plans and self-insured employers? So, Savannah, I do wish we were a little bit further along with the data this answer to your data question than when we last talked. We have made some movement, and I would say, let's talk about the movement and what we've made and where we would love to see. I say the collectively of healthcare, we would love to see some more movement from other health plans as well. The movement we've made, we've seen the transparency law come out. We've seen some health plans be very amenable to sharing data with some caveats, right? Caveats on data use in terms of being able to benchmark it, how we apply it, how we analyze it. And that's okay, as long as we're still able to do what we need to for our clients that have asked us to take a look at their data and identify opportunities for improvement. But where we're still seeing some issues is there are some health plans that have, in some ways, hard stop said no, right? Like there is to be no data sharing outside of their environment. And I think that there just needs to be a balance there. If we could see where there's some of this best practice of health plans sharing the data with third parties like Point Solutions or with, with the data warehouses that the employers are contracting with to help them manage the, the cost and trend of their population, 
we can be further along, certainly. And we've seen we've seen the outcomes of, of those types of actions when there's data sharing, when there's collaboration between every touch point that the employee may have and their members or their families may have um, throughout their journey in healthcare. Yeah, so I think, you know, I'll, I'll maybe talk about, it, it is really important when an employer um, selects an additional vendor point solution for there to be coordination amongst you know the, the traditional health plan vendor and the point solutions. Um, in terms of exchanging data, there certainly is some some tension and um, as he spoke to that we need to work through. Um, but I you know I have been part of um, things like vendor summits where we do see some collaboration at least when it comes to like talking about processes and some mutual agreement as to how sharing sharing data and sharing workflows can be to everyone's benefit. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to deny the benefit that it can bring. It's just a question of getting everyone to like sign the dotted line when it comes to that free flow of data. Um, But I guess that, you know, what comes to mind is, you know, if an employer were satisfied that all of their needs could be met by one company, you know, the, the major health insurance uh, company they're using as a third-party administrator or whatnot, then, you know, we might not have these issues. So, so why is it that employers are sometimes turning to additional vendors beyond the health plan to manage their healthcare programs? Um, you know, and Lodi, I don't know, you know, in your role, if you have strong views on why that is, but I'd love to hear your thoughts and then T, yours. So employers are increasingly contracting and implementing with these additional vendors or point solutions, because pretty simply put, they address gaps in an employer's current benefits program, or even a lot of times they might enhance their ecosystem or their offering. So, you know, I, I think there's a couple of different gaps that a lot of you can categorize all these point solutions into. And one is enhancing um, employee experience. So that might be services like navigation and concierge services where we're helping employees make the best use of their benefits and really optimize the employer's programs. And when I say programs, that might be a series of solutions. And the other one is really solutions that target key clinical cost drivers or key solutions, um, such as, you know, musculoskeletal or diabetes, because the programs in the traditional health plans really aren't necessarily moving the needle. So these programs are really focused on identifying and engaging the right members to achieve cost savings for these key clinical cost drivers. So T, do you see it the same way? I mean, that was a pretty comprehensive answer. I'm I'm curious if you have any other examples you'd want to add to that. I agree with Elodie. Over the years, right, the health plans, they owned everything, the whole ecosystem, every touch point. And for some, it may have worked. And for, I would say a lot, many others, it didn't, which is why we saw the proliferation of these point solutions. And the point solutions came about, just like Elodie said, to help cover some of these gaps in care that time after time were not being covered, right? We continue to see that trend of poor diabetes management, poor asthma management. And then you get these point solutions that come in and they focus on a specific condition. And so that that intensity of focus and streamlining a process and understanding what it is that they need to target and how to outreach um, to these different individuals 
engage and continuously keep them engaged and motivated. That has come to fruition through these different point solutions over time. Not all of them have been successful, right? But in those that have, it's it's proven that that these different point solutions can help individuals. And so we have more propping up. And then those that don't are not successful, they kind of fall back. But what that sends a message to is that having everything with the health plan, like it did, like we did many years ago, wasn't quite where we were optimized. And with that, now, now that we see these carve-outs happening, how do we continue to make sure that just because something's carved out, it's not siloed? It's not siloed in terms of management for that individual, in terms of guidance for that individual and, and where to go and when to seek care. And, and I go back to that first question, right? The most important thing for us to do, well, one of the most important, maybe I'm biased because I, I live the world of data, but that data sharing is really important. And so that everybody knows what's happening, who's managing that individual or that population in order to make sure that we're identifying the opportunities and we're, we're then acting upon that to make sure that we can close the gaps as Elodie had noted. So, I mean, I can kind of understand it, right? From their perspective, even if not just revenue, you know, they want to be able to create a complete experience for their customers. From the employer perspective, sure, it'd be a lot easier to manage just one vendor than multiple. But at the end of the day, there's constant pressure, you know, to help uh, control costs and make sure that employees are getting care that keeps them healthy and um, able to be productive. So there's a lot of tension out there and it's, it's kind of a mess that we're all in and, and trying to sort out. So how, how do employers succeed at getting the health plans to collaborate with outside vendors? You know, do they? I, I have seen, you know, data exchanges. I, I wouldn't say, I think there's definitely barriers to that collaboration but we are seeing, you know, some of that access to data. You know, in, in terms of, you know, another approach that I've seen a lot of these additional vendors or point solutions take is, is just, you know, collect, it, it, it's their own, you know, data collection, you know, through their own interaction with, with, with members. So collecting, so if you're on a diabetes solution, I'm going to be able to you know, get some of the data, perhaps if the employer is has data, you know, in, in a data warehouse, so such as a WTW, and from there we can do some of that analysis and help them understand, you know, if they're targeting the right members or not. So I think there's other ways to integrate the help to collect the health plan data, integrate it with the solutions that might be outside of the health plan. Yeah. So there, in other words, there are workarounds. So the, I guess the last thing I wanted to cover is that, you know, when you enter as an employer into a contract with a health plan, you know, there's sort of a grand deal that goes on. If you give me this, I'll give you that or vice versa. And, you know, one of the things that employers have been doing over the last several years is trying to negotiate in trend guarantees with health plans. So that, in other words, if they're given you know, an estimate of, of the costs of, of care in a given year, that it won't rise more than X percent over the, over the years in, into the future. And my understanding is that the adherence to these trend guarantees is increasingly dependent on the employer 
being willing to be, you know, completely faithful to the health plan and not carving out services. Is this something that you're seeing? And what do we do about that? Is it, or, or, you know, is it something that employers are aware they might be trading off? Yeah, Suzanne, maybe I can start here. Um, I would say what we are starting to see is some health plans are changing the terms of the, the trend agreement uh, or the trend guarantee. And the change in terms is, as you had noted, a bit of a trade-off or maybe a lot of a trade-off in terms of you can have your trend guarantee as long as there is nothing carved out of the ecosystem from the health plan or there is no data flowing out of the health plan into a third party's hand on behalf of the employer. We aren't seeing that widespread, but we are seeing it with some of the health plans. I would just say that where that 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 would seem a little bit of a pause for employers is just make sure that what you're looking for in the trend guarantee you're actually receiving. The trend guarantees were traditionally put in place, as you had said, Suzanne, to give some assurance that health plan costs would not increase by X percent. And if it did, then the health plan would pay back the employer with some type of fee at risk, right? And I and I think that when we see these trend guarantees with these additional stipulations that in some ways can tie an employer's hands, we just need to pause and make sure that the details in that trend guarantee, if you model it out, are you really going to receive what the trend guarantee is promising? If yes, then by all means, right? We need to control healthcare costs. Budgets are very tight. It's not a great environment right now when it comes to spend at all, right? All the employers I've talked to are looking to reduce spend and looking for ways to do so effectively. And I think that's the key. Is the trend guarantee truly a reflection of effective management of the employer's population? So T, you just um, addressed trend guarantees for the health plan. So now a lot of these point solutions that employers are contracting with are also intended to help employees navigate care, get the right care, get good quality care. And we're seeing increasingly these um, vendors, such as Transparent, even come to the table with their own trend guarantee and promises that they will meet a stern financial threshold for the claims under their management. So we're also seeing these competing guarantees from these point solution vendors, which are supposed to be doing exactly that to say, hey, employer, I'm going to bring you value and I'm going to prove to you that I'm going to bring value because I'm going to put this money on the table because I, I believe in my services. I believe I can reduce the cost. So we're also seeing that dynamic come in through these, these point solutions. Yeah. And I, and I think that they should, right? So it's not that trend guarantees shouldn't be offered. It's that it, it, at least from my perspective, when trend guarantees are offered with trade-offs, significant trade-offs, that's where employers might want to pause and just question, is this trend guarantee truly valuable? Is it truly going to pr produce what it's intended? And I'll give you an example. During my time as a consultant, and it is, was not too long ago, I had a client who had two different diabetes programs. And both of them had trend guarantees. They had performance guarantees related to how much they could manage the diabetes population and outcomes. Yet both of them did not stipulate you, these performance guarantees or trend guarantees are only valid if you have 
only one diabetes program. Um, none of that was there. They offered it knowing that the client had two in place. And at the end of the day, if they're both working to manage the member in that instance, it just helped the performance of the employer's metrics for diabetes, which then in turn helped the performance of these two programs, right? So I think that's the difference here, at least from, from my perspective, from the point solutions, that I haven't seen a point solution put in a trend guarantee with the stipulation that you can't do anything else um, in that space. Yeah, I agree. Although that is a nuance, right? Because I think sometimes it is hard to be able to, to isolate the impact that a specific point solution is having on costs, especially when there's a number of programs, you know, potentially competing programs and initiatives in place. But I, I agree with you, T. I think, you know, at the end of the day, when an employer is going to invest their money in a, you know, in a program or, or a point solution, um, they, they do need to see some kind of return and say, you know, th this is worth the, the investment and we need to, to see either metrics of success improve and, and costs go down. And I think when you start qualifying the potential results too much, then, you know, I, I think we're, we're losing sight of the end, end game, which is really to, to manage costs and quality. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, in some ways, there's some healthy competition here. And in some ways, there's some very unhealthy competition that's not helping make anybody healthier. So a lot to sort out, but I guess, you know, if I take away anything from this conversation is that employers need to have their eyes wide open as they look at the suite of vendors they're working with, whether it's one, two, five, or 10, and see how it all interacts and, you know, what the restrictions or permissions are in terms of how data flows and other things work and try to make an informed choice. I mean, I think, I think that's at the end of the day, all they can do, right? That's right. I, and, and I think that's, that's the ask here, right? Don't jump at an offer that looks really good because it might be too good to be true, but let's look at the details. But I think the bigger ask here goes back to what we started with initially. What we need here is we need more health plans sharing data. We have some, but it's not enough, right? So if we have all the health plans working together with the third-party solutions, with the data warehouse, sharing data, that's where we need to be so we can truly manage healthcare cost and utilization the way I think we've all envisioned it to be, but we're not quite there yet. It is a huge leap that we are now having data submitted for these machine-readable files. And I had a discussion with somebody the other day and, and they described it perfectly. And they said the payers have submitted the data because the fines are stiff enough, which is fantastic, right? They're submitting the data, the data's out there, but is it usable? And it's still not, right? Because the individual had told me it was a great analogy. Take a thousand piece puzzle, if you will, toss it in the air on your front lawn and hose it down and then try to put it back together. That's what's happening right now with the machine readable files. <laughs> so if we can't even get legislation to make the data usable, we're back to relying on the health plans to really play nice and provide the data that the employer needs to help optimize the health and care of their members. Yeah, and in, in my experience, I've seen really big variation. You know, some which just take a stance pretty sternly against it and others who are very flexible. 
and, you know, and want to support that. So again, I think my takeaway is eyes wide open will serve everybody well. I don't want to keep you guys any longer, but this has just been a really informative and great conversation for me. So thank you both T and Elodie. And let's stay in touch on what you're seeing in this space and, and try to figure out how you know, we can work together to keep things moving in the right direction. Thanks for the time. Thank today. you so much, Suzanne.